With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, so um, generally I uh, do like a intro and outro and post-production, and it just is more work for me, so yeah. I'm not going to do that anymore. So rolling into this show, um, welcome back to the show. This is David Scales from what we're now calling the Surf Splendor Network, and we have a bunch of different shows on that network. This is The Grit with Chas Smith from Beach Grit. For September 21st, 2017, everything that we discuss in this show is available both on beachgrit.com and on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Of course, rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps other people to find it. And then, of course, on social media. It's a fantastic way to join the conversation. Mine is at surfsplendor. Chaz, where are you at? I'm at Reports from Hell on Instagram. Sweet. Uh, you know, it's smart. The name, I thought about that name, Reports from Hell, after we talked last time, and I was like... It's smart because it's opened you up to now um, accommodating people from outside of the surf world. And because you're just posting videos of people eating crap all the time, it's yeah. like reports from hell actually tells you kind of what it is about. It, it's funny. The, the original title, I had it as the title of a book that I was going to do. Uh, it was actually going to be the war journalism book, uh, My Return to War journal- Journalism, which is, yeah, I'm, I'm going to bring it back. But the yeah, the, the uh, I think the title... Yeah, it was just reports from hell, but it came from like, um, what was it? It was like a general or something like that during the Spanish-American War. It was something bad about journalists that, uh, uh, I can't even remember. Like, even if we all went to hell, I'm sure I would, or even if something, the world ended, I'm sure I would have reports from hell on my on my desk by lunch or something like that. Got it. Real funny. It yeah. is funny. And I, and I figured that that um, handle came from your war reporting journalism but it also it also works now for just posting photos of people running into a rock when they're trying to like swing off a tree into a lake or something like that it's so perfect um well dude good to see you good to see you it's been less than two weeks i mean we're really smacking it out we're trying that's the problem is now i'm my brain is starting to think podcast so then when enough stuff backs up in there that i think okay we got to talk about this we got to talk about this then i think okay we got to talk it's because you're on a daily publishing schedule with beach grit yeah so you're on like that mentality whereas i'm compiling stuff on a two-week basis but i had an episode um an interview with john pizel that i was going to post this week but then the Kelly Slater Wave Ranch thing happened, and it's kind of like it's Brent, it's news. You got to jump on news sure. when it happens, and we rarely have as a historic day as we had with that. So John Pizel is getting pushed till next week. Amazing, Pizel is <laughs> a great guy. He is, he is, but he'll be here next week too. Perfect. Um, <laughs> but Kelly, are you saying Kelly's Wave Ranch will not be here next week? I don't know. It might be actually that. Maybe it won't. You know, to be honest. If somebody posts another clip of it today, I probably won't watch it. To me, for honest to goodness, I wish to God the thing somebody would blow it up. I wish that Kim Jong Un would <laughs> send a nuclear missile and hit Kelly's Wave Ranch and hit all the plans and hit every part of it, 
and destroy it so badly that no one can ever do it again. Is this jealousy talking? No, this is the death of surfing. I That's firmly, what it is. I okay. firmly believe. Like I was depressed all day. I didn't, I didn't do anything on Beachcrest all day yesterday. I was just in a a hole of depression, thinking this is officially the end. We're done. Um, we wrapped it. Do you want to get fully into it right now? Yeah, I mean, let's do it. Okay, I guess we are into it. Yeah, we're into explain it. why is it the end of surfing? To me, what they what Kelly successfully did, and and I think Matt Warshaw said it well on yeah. Beach Grit. Uh, his the Matt said brilliantly, I think that we traded magic for perfection. Yep. Um, and I think that's a, a total apt summary. I think what Kelly did, and of course, this is nothing against Kelly or nothing against the WSL. I think in, in Matt's piece, he also said this is inevitable, right? Like sure. eventually. Uh, technology and history moves in a way that, of course, always at some point there was going to be a perfect fake wave. Yeah. Um, but to me, what it did and watching, like as I watched that day unfold, right? Like it unfolded from first the rumors that it was going to happen. Right. Uh, I went up and, uh, you know, when I had first heard about it, I guess I heard about it before the Hurley Pro, but I saw Dave Prodan, the WSL media guy at the Hurley Pro when I was there. And you know, was peppering him like, come on, get me in. Like nobody's going to be able to write this thing better than me in terms of just color. Uh, and I really pushed him and, you know, he, he is a kind man, but said no. So then Derek and I talked briefly about, okay, let's, let's get a cherry picker, right? I had heard you couldn't fly drones. Somebody told me you couldn't fly drones because the airport there. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go get a cherry picker, go up there and do it. And then I just thought, mm, I, I mean, I just can't right? like, um, uh, I have a bunch of other stuff going on and I, I couldn't dedicate a full day to doing that. Uh, Stab went up there and did it, you know, good on them, like, and that was fun and everything. But as I watched the the day unfold, kind of as it started with rumors to kind of blurry Instagram stories to Stab's, you know, fun kind of, you know, two, boy, two giddy boys trying to get into this thing that they're locked out of to uh, then the, the WSL's, you know, fairly ghastly live live blog, like their uninspired live blog, to then just the nonstop Instagram clips. And then, you know, by that night I was getting, you know, I, I had a uh, very rich friend who, you know, got invited and went and was sending me videos of Eddie Vedder, you know, singing, singing songs to Kelly Slater at the end. And I was just, at the end I was sick. I was like, this is, this is a fucking disaster. Yeah. And I think what, I mean, I think what they did essentially was... Amp, uh, it was a successful amputation of the act of surfing mm. from surfing itself. So now we can have the act of surfing live outside of you know what surfing actually is. Yeah. Which, and to me, that's that's it. That's over. Well, okay. You, there's a lot to dissect there. A lot of different topics. Um, I want to go back and just reset for. Anybody who's listening to this show who didn't experience all of that or maybe just doesn't have an Instagram account because that's really where it all existed for mm -hmm. us, um, they held kind of a, a test event is what they were calling it at Kelly Slater's Wave Pool. And when I say they, the WSL, um, it was on Tuesday, September 19th. They had a women's division and a men's division. Gabriel Medina won the men's division. Carissa Moore won the women's division. Kelly actually surfed for the first time in nine weeks since his foot injury. Um, the way that the event was structured was that every surfer gets two rights and two lefts. And then each wave is scored on the one to 10 scale that we're familiar with. But the surfer only gets to keep one score from the right and one score from the left. And that goes into your heat total. And um, I don't know how many surfers were there totally. I can't you know? remember either. No. Yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't all of the world tour or anything like that. It was that. like 14 or something it felt like. Maybe. maybe. Yeah, 14 between the men and the women yeah. total. Yeah, that sounds like about that. right. 
And um, ultimately, the WSL did not stream it. It's a test event, but they did invite about 150 people. It was um, the surfers themselves and their entourages, family, sponsors of the WSL events, because it is a test event, and this is going to be something that they're going to be able to sell in the future. There's a lot of investors there, too. Investors. Like people who, who have the potential for investment. Well, you mentioned, I have a super rich friend that went. Why does that matter, or why did he get the invite? Because, I mean, he's, he's you know involved in the super rich world. And so I think this is the WSL, you know, obviously bringing in people with money, uh, showing them what the future looks like. Uh, you know, I think they probably think, now we actually have a business model, right? Like throwing surfers to sit at trestles for 30 minutes and then do yeah. a heat restart because there's no waves, you know, I think is, is a difficult business proposition. Uh, but now I think, you know, Hey, bring a wave park, like for municipalities, you yeah. stick one in, you know, long beach and you can throw contests there. You can have events, blah, 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 blah. Well, the WSL decided not to stream the event. Mm-hmm. So they, they didn't do a great job of keeping the test event secret in advance. And then once it happened the day of, um, everybody who was within those, the walls of that compound was able to actually stream it on their social stream. And so at first I didn't know what the policy was. And I still, to be honest, I don't know what WSL's policy was because WSL was posting clips, but they weren't doing anything live. No, they had, like you said, a kind of poorly um, executed live blog, which I don't even know what that is. And is that a new term? You know, (laughs) I I mean, it felt to me like that was just a reaction to stab. I mean, the stab was up there. And so they felt, okay, well, you know, we better, because it it seemed really half-assed. It was. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it seems silly that I get it. Like in my talking with ProDan and and then my own thoughts of it, I said, sure. Yeah. You're running a test event. You, you don't want, in case something goes wrong, in case it's, you know, in case it's just not very exciting, like you want to be able to do it quietly and then tweak it. But it clearly wasn't quiet at all, right? No. It was, it was all day, every day. It was day. frenzied. Yeah, it was a frenzied clip attack. So I'm on my phone at work looking at social media, and it's like um, somebody posts a clip that was, you know, posting it to Instagram. Maybe it was three minutes old, let's sure. say, by the time it goes up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're running this event today. Then every this fire starts growing and spreading. And then Silvana Lima was the first one I saw doing a live stream. And that was the greatest thing ever. Yep. She was panning over to the big screen, tele whatever, Jumbotron, and then back to the live action and walking around the back uh the behind the scenes stuff. So you see Felipe Toledo playing ping pong with Gabriel Medina and it was radical. It was like being on site. So I love that. But then I was getting messages from listeners, direct messages. And they're like, she's gone rogue. You know, is she rebelling? Are they going to then reprimand her? But no, apparently WSL was totally okay with it. So apparently it was a strategy of the WSL to not personally stream anything, but allow everybody there to put put it out there. I don't think it was a strategy. I think it was a total accident. Really? Uh, that that sure that played well. I don't. I think they probably didn't really think of it. I think they didn't think, hey, you know, no cell phones. I mean, how do you even? It'd be really hard to police anyway. But um, but on it, a much smaller scale, they have in the past. Like when they did the test run and Todd Glazer shot all the photos and it ended up on the cover of the magazine. They probably did collect everybody's phone that day. It could have, yeah. I guess so. I mean, and if it was a strategy, it was a brilliant strategy, I think, in terms of, of, you know, drumming interest. Uh, Because I think it was, you know, it was probably the, I mean, I don't know how you can, at least in the surf world, that was the only story of the day, Mm. right? I mean, it was the WSL. Completely. And I I was at dinner, I think it was, must have been that night, with a group of non-surfers. And 
uh, non-surfers were, or you know, somebody who was tangentially, tangentially involved in surfing pulled out a cell phone and showed a total non-surfer. Like that was the interesting story for him right. too. They made a perfect way, right? And the the non-surfer could not believe that that wasn't in the ocean. And then you know, like wow, like yeah. you know, the 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 beauty of man, I guess. So. As a marketing strategy, whether it was an afterthought or strategic in advance, you do think it was a good move to not let media into the event? Oh no, I think it was like I think it was awful, right? Oh, I mean, okay. I think it worked. Sure, it totally worked. It did. It did exactly what you know. I'm sure they couldn't have scripted it any better uh, in terms of what <laughs> no went out and and all that. Yeah, I can't script this. Um, but I think it was the first time, like. The only other time I've ever been at a surf thing where there was a semi-closed door is at Bells, right? Bells, you have to pay 20 bucks or whatever to go down the stairs to watch it. But you can also walk around. I mean, there's a hundred ways in there, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I never really thought about that before. But they, for the first time ever, you know, surfing has always just been on the beach where anybody can go watch it. Uh, the exclusivity part of that, the you're in, you're out thing of that thing... Uh, it didn't make me mad personally. Like I'm all about exclusivity, but it, <laughs> but it, it doesn't seem like exclusivity should be part of surfing. Uh, it's the, I think I, you know, I'm, I'm sounding like I'm talking about surfing like a religion here, mm-hmm. but, it, but it is right. Like I think in some way, I mean, to me, like, you know, Finnegan's book is titled a surfing or I mean, it's barbarian days, a surfing life. And, the way he writes about, you know, kind of as he slowly meanders through his life, and he was obviously a massively successful journalist as a, you know, I mean, he's covered wars, I think, and poverty yeah. and, you know, international correspondent for The New Yorker. Uh, when it came time for him to write his memo, a memoir, he wrote A Surfing Life. Just, a, you know, the way that surfing infuses our DNA as surfers, I think is just part of the part of this both dream and access to it. Like anybody can go to the beach, right? And still, Kelly's pool doesn't stop that. But to put a wall around it and close it off to me was, again, that was one of the many small deaths that happened that day. You know, it's interesting. I hear what you're saying and I hear what Warshaw was saying with that quote, we traded magic for perfection and it's heartbreaking. But I completely disagree. Like what they did there has nothing to do with my personal surf experience. And it's not that we have one or the other. It's that we can have both things simultaneously. That will exist. And it doesn't affect me at all. And I'm actually never going to surf that wave. Even if I really want to, I very likely will never end up surfing that wave no matter how much desire I have. So I don't really like the whole frenzy of it all was entertaining, but I didn't feel that it jeopardized me. I mean, surfing. I don't think it jeopardizes you or your surfing. I think it drastically alters, uh, your grandchildren's surfing, to be honest. I think, I think that's the day that surfing changed from dream to this thing. Right. Uh, because yeah. to me, that wasn't surfing that was happening that day. That was, uh, wake surfing, you know, like wake surfing where people load down their boats and, you know, hop on skimboards basically and follow and just surf in the wake of the boat. That's what that is. That's wake surfing. But, uh, I think Kelly's wave is wake yeah. surfing. It's just done really well. Um, but to the man on the street, that's indecipherable from real surfing. Uh, and also, this is the WSL model moving forward. So this being professional surfing, I just think that what the adventure and the unknown and all these parts, they'll certainly still exist for our grandkids, I'm assuming the world is still around. Yeah. Um, but I think not in the same way. I think that I think the amputation of the act from the dream. Yeah is is severe and profound and won't you know 
again, for us, won't matter. Uh, but for our children's children, I think surfing, surfing dot, what, what surfing has been from the, the beauty of surfing from ancient Hawaiians, ancient Peruvians before them, just kidding, Hawaiians, uh, up until, uh, September 21st, was it 21st? 19th, September 19th. No. That's the day. 19th, I mean, yeah. that is, it's surfing's tomb, tombstone is, you know, 5,000 BC to, you know, 2000, whatever we're in 2017. I, I think it's Dead. definitely a cornerstone for sure. I'm, I'm not nearly as much of an alarmist or even a um, doomsday, you know, scenario uh, to me. You're absolutely right. It will definitely alter the way my grandkids view surfing, but I can't assess whether it's negative or positive, you know? Um, and I, I, I'm guessing that it's actually not negative. Like, I think that this will, like, like you said, maybe it becomes more akin to wake surfing or something like that, which again, when wake surfing came out, I didn't view that as a threat of my surf no, no. experience and it doesn't really. So maybe both things grow in succession and become, um, their own things and they're equally big, but I don't know that it really jeopardizes anything that we have going in the ocean. You know, I hope you're right. I yeah. hope you're right. David scales. I, I read, um, obviously Travis Ferry's thing mm-hmm. on what youth. And I know that you reposted it on beach grit saying it was the greatest thing that you read about that day. Do you want to recap what he said? I mean, he basically said, uh, you know, I didn't read, I didn't, frankly, I didn't read anything great about that day. I think stab had great access, but yeah. I, I don't think, or, you know, their story was great. It was but, fun. But what's, you know, Mikey and, uh, and, uh, what's his name? Morgan, what they wrote wasn't, it wasn't good writing. You yeah. know, I mean, they were just kind of, they were like caught up in the giddiness. And so I guess that was fun to, yeah. to, to read their giddiness, but it wasn't good. Um, nothing else I read that day was good except for Travis was the only thing that I read that day that was thoughtful. Uh, thinking like, okay, they, they basically turned surfing into golf. Yeah. This is a golf course. It's exclusive. There's a bunch of suits in there. Uh, and it felt, you know, one of Travis's lines was it's slimy and elitist, yeah. um, which surfing has never felt slimy and elitist. Right. I mean, again, yeah. I think one of the many, many small deaths that day to make surfing elitist in a way that, you know, where, where my super rich friend who, you know, I hope he's not listening. He's a, he's a great guy, but also a full kook. Like he doesn't, you know, appreciate or, you know, I mean, and by full kook, I mean, he's not a bad person at all. He's just not a, he's not a surfer. Right. Yeah. And, that, and that's who was in there getting the, getting fetid, fitted because, you know, they're the ones with money and, sure. uh, you know, obviously. And again, I understand that I'm not a egalitarian in that, or generally, I guess I'm not an egalitarian in my normal life. I love, you know, that's just the way the world works. The world is, is stratified, but maybe also being at the Hurley pro changed my opinion where I really set out, you know, purposefully to report, to be with the people. And it was kind of a funny, you know, beat, I guess, but I was really serious about it. Like the first day I went to the Hurley pro, and saw where the media tent was, you know, just so shitty. And, you know, like I love the Hurley pro. It's a great event. Um, but just thinking, fuck that. And it just made me question everything kind of that I had done in surfing up Mm -hmm. to that point in terms of, you know, I've always been to that point looking for the VIP tent and, you know, drinking the free beers and hobnobbing with the, you know, the surfer coaches. And that day I just thought, fuck it. This is like, I do not want to do that. I specifically don't because that's not what surfing is. And that's one of the real beauties of surfing. So maybe even just my own small personal revelation at the Hurley Pro and then extrapolating that to the exclusivity, ultra exclusivity. You know, they took the VIP because that was the great thing, right? So at the Hurley Pro, I'm standing 
And watching all these, you know, the unwashed masses, like poor Brazilians. I mean, did you go down there at all? Not at all. For the same reason that you're talking about. Kind of like I don't really care anymore. Yeah. But But, uh, like, okay, so down on the rocks, right? Like I I have to, it feels like a good 50% of the people who are actually there on the beach watching it are Brazilian. Really? And yeah, it felt like it. And, you know, obviously it's, that's my, you know, maybe just by where I was standing. Sure. But, you know, and it was not, it was poor Brazilians, right? Like dirty, dirty footed Brazilians sitting there and, you know, like the people down on the cobblestones aren't rich, you know, families playing with kids, all enjoying this and standing right behind them, you know, sure in a tent, but you know, it's open. You can look right in is the entire surfing hoi ploy, right? There's John, John Florence, there's Gabriel Medina, there's Philippe Toledo. There's everybody who matters in surfing. They're walking through coming back, you know, like the interaction between, uh, like common and Royal mm-hmm. in surfing is only ever been separated by a flimsy piece of canvas, right? Yeah. That, that gets passed through on both sides quite often. Uh, on the day of the of the test, all of a sudden, that was replaced with Donald Trump's wall, right? Yeah. Where, and to me, that was a that's a severe a severe difference from what we've had in surfing. And and one thing that's made surfing fantastic. I agree. It. I'll get back to the wall, but it has, I want to reiterate that it has made surfing fantastic. I've told friends who don't surf that like, I'll be randomly surfing Newport beach. I, this happened a decade ago and Tom Kern paddles out and you're surfing with Tom Kern. So talking to people who don't surf, try to equate that to playing basketball and you're just at the park and then LeBron shows up and starts shooting hoops with you. I mean, it's radical. And even, even, you know, during the Hurley pro right there at lowers, yeah. uh, the, you know, all the kids are surfing middles. So just think if there mm-hmm. was like two courts set up, like, you know, you have your main court mm-hmm. for basketball and then without even stands in between, nothing in between, you have side courts mm-hmm. and kids can be playing basketball at the same time, you know, glancing over and watching the Cavaliers play whoever. Completely. Which is... It's red. And and now with the wave pool, and again, I, I get that... I understand what you're saying, that it, that it's a different thing that will not necessarily infect surfing, that those they'll be wave pool surfing and they'll be surfing surfing. But I can't help but think the lessons learned in the pool will transfer back to the beach and that, you know, it's just going again. I think surfing, I'll give you that, you know, of course, nobody knows what the exact change is going to be, but I still feel the surfing of our you know, serving from 5,000 BC till two days ago yeah. is dead. Something is different now. Yeah. So let's get back to the wall. I think, and Travis's article about it being kind of a country club mentality and elitist, and let's examine whether or not it becomes a division of classes. I'm totally okay if it becomes elitist and if it becomes a division of classes. I feel like um, I'm a capitalist and a pretty poor one at that actually as somebody who's been working 30 hours a week, giving this thing away for free for four years. I'm not very great at it, (laughs) but um, I don't think that any of us are entitled to what they did. Like the wave pool thing. If a couple of rich guys created this thing and want to only do it for their rich friends, by all means go ahead. And I'm not entitled to it. None of us are. So yes, I got left out of that day. And that's because I don't fit in with that group. Fair enough. So if I want to work super hard, become a rich guy and then play with them, I can either do that or I can continue going to the beach and using this free resource that we've all done since the beginning of time. And I'll go ahead and do that. Sure. But, uh, but I, I will disagree. I mean, I 
am right next to you and behind you being a capitalist and even a worse capitalist than you <laughs> doing, doing beach grit for virtually free for four years. Uh, I totally understand that. I just think what they took though. And again, I hate to sound like I'm, I'm waxing eloquent about sur- surfing or elevating surfing to a religion, but I think, you know, back to uh, Finnegan's subtitle, a surfing life, that's what it's been to all of us. It's, it's part of our life. Right. And unlike anything else, nobody's been able to put it in a box. Nobody's able to build a wall around it. You can't, you can't build a wall around, you know, bells they try. And I think they've been charging there forever. Right. It's part of the history. Mm-hmm. Of, so it's like a, but it know, goes into like the preservation. Sure. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. And so that, and that's part of bell's history is charging yeah. for the event. It's not like we're keeping you out. So sure. we're going to charge events and it's not like that's the model that they're, right. they try to, you know, redo at any other surf event. It's singular in that. Um, but I think the fact that taking surfing, away putting surfing behind a wall it was it was a grave 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 disaster i think awful i'm not i'm not giving them the credit for doing that yeah i don't think they put surfing behind a wall i think they created this manufactured version of it and they're putting that behind a wall and they're seeing how it plays i'm looking at it going hmm, it's not really surfing you know you didn't really take anything away from me. sure you guys I, did something different totally but i still think back to my mixed metaphors medical metaphors of amputation and now i'm going to get into gene splicing uh i think they did this is you know this is what was that sheep name that they oh yeah, yeah molly or holly or mm. something it's a good question so so they genetically engineered surfing right kelly's really anti-gmo he's anti-gmo the wave pool is genetically engineered surfing. Yeah. It's GMO surfing. And you don't know the consequences of introducing GMO crops into uh, the wild. Just like I think we don't know the consequences of that genetically modified surfing yeah. into the surfing wild, Kelly. So you're blaming Kelly for all of... Uh... I'm not at all. I think that, <laughs> I think that Warshaw was correct that it was inevitable. But yeah, I, yeah, I guess I'm I blaming too. Kelly. Kelly's the one who actually did it. And so I'm blaming Kelly. Um, Kelly is Dr. Dr. Dolly was the sheep's Dolly name. Dolly was the sheep's name. I don't name. remember the doctor's name. But... What, is, is, uh, what was the Dr. Monroe's Island or something? It was oh, just yeah, yeah. Dr. Yeah. Moreau. Dr. Moreau. Moreau. Yeah. yeah. Kelly is Dr. Moreau. Um, so I want to get back to the WSL's decision to either stream it or not stream it. And more specifically, the decision to keep media out. That was something that we actually didn't discuss yet, is they didn't invite media into the event. I think that it was actually a really good move, whether or not they intended to do it. Um, I've argued for years that with specialty events, whether it's big wave events or whatever, like it's always better as a post-produced package. Sure. If you look at viewer numbers for big wave events, it's like nothing, you know? And then if they can put it together into a 30-minute or an hour thing after the fact... It gets tons of views, especially on somewhere like YouTube. So I think that um, if they were to have streamed this event live, it would have required a tremendous amount of like pre-production interstitial content because you have to wait five minutes in between waves. Sure, I don't. I don't think they should have streamed it, but I think they should have had all. I think they should have had a representative if uh, the a representative wanted to go from each of the major surf outlets. Uh, inside, in the same way, I think that Trump, Donald J. Trump, would love to get rid of his press pool. There's a yeah. reason for press, right? Yeah. Uh, and I don't think the press should have been there to stream it, but I think they should have had somebody from Surfer, someone from, you know, why Stab. I think because uh, the surf media, you know, 
like all of us crappy surf journalists who watch this stuff, you know, and live this stuff and eat this stuff and breathe this stuff. I think our perspective would uh, be both a unique and be helpful to making the product better. I think when I think the WSL is, you know, attempting to be both ESPN and the NBA at the same time, right? They're both the media and the product itself uh, and covering itself. Um, I think they, you know, they're trying to get better about realizing that, you know, the surf media is kind of how people engage. I'm sure they would love to cut out surf media entirely at some point and just, you know, they have the writers, they have the product. It's all, it's all one package thing, but there's, there's just value into different, in different opinions. And there's also value in, you know, what I would have written about the day, you know, if it was a 300 word thing, I guarantee it would have been the best thing written about the day. Uh, but also it would be fun to, to compare that to what say, you know, Morgan or, you know, whoever, Nick Carroll or whoever, the other writers there, it would have been fun to see these different perspectives of this, of what turned out to be truly a historic day playing out. I guess you guys did all write about the day and they got that out of it without letting you guys into 100%. the event. They you know, so what would the upside be to actually inviting you in? Cause it would be, I think it would be, it would have been way better writing a, uh, cause we just wrote about it happening, but there was no, no real insight. Um, no, there wasn't. And I think the other thing they would have gotten, it would have been better, right? I think if you have these people there who are honestly boots on the ground in this crazy pro surf world, you know, day in and day out, yeah. I think the perspectives that would have come out would have made in the future would have made for a better product. Maybe. I think it, you say it would have been better writing, and I think that's true, but it only would have been better for each of those individual media outlets. I don't know that the better writing benefits them. I think what they did successfully, I think, was um, put the burden on these media companies, Beach Grit, Stab, Surfline. They were all vying, you guys were all vying to outdo one another by simply pilfering and aggregating all the same information that us, the viewer, had already. And what I've seen is that... um, Viewers, consumers want to pick their own journey, whether it's fast forwarding through your DVR commercials with the television that you watch or just unfollowing certain Instagram accounts that you don't like anymore. The viewer wants to control it. And I think the WSL kind of put that burden on your guys lap and was like, hey, you guys, we're not going to give you access and give you special privilege. Just go ahead and figure out what your story is, just like everybody else does. And you tell us, you prove your value to us so that we can invite you to the next event. Uh, yeah. And, and if that's what their goal was, then for me, I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to say I'm done, but I'm virtually done with the WSL at this point. I'm, yeah. I'm out like this, that day again. Uh, and not that they need me, obviously, and not that they need beach grit, but it's making it has made me and I will continue to rethink uh, moving forward, you know, how I want to tell WSL stories and what I want to do with the WSL because at this point, uh, Noah Dean was right. I feel like fuck the WSL. <laughs> fuck them. Because really they're making you guys scrap yeah. at that point. And, and, I'm not, and I'm not about I'm not about to scrap over there, over there fucking, you know Well, it's further doing what we've talked about in previous shows, which is who is your core audience? Sure. Either the core surfer, which there's not enough to really make this profitable for you guys. Sure. There are, obviously it was reported uh, by Ashton at Stab that they're operating at a $30 million a year loss currently. 100%. So, so you, they need to transition and start selling it to middle America and pe- people away from the coastline. 
And this is representing that. This is them going, we're building this pool so that we can accommodate people away from the coastline. And we're not even going to let the media companies who have kind of helped promote us up until now into the event. We're going to let the common man choose their journey and how they want to view it by following Silvana Lima or Kanoa's little brother. Or sure. Whatever. And, and great, you know, and if, and again, I totally understand and appreciate the WSL's need to make money. And clearly, you know, a way forward for them is to both control the environment, which is, you know, guaranteed waves. Um, production will, you know, sink in cost, I'm sure to, uh, compared to you know hauling cameras and building scaffoldings scaffoldings on the beach yeah uh to you know pennies on the dollar i'm sure when you can just have these static totally. you know event spaces that you just turn it on and all of a sudden there's waves and there's surfers and there's scoring and blah, 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 blah. uh i appreciate completely the wsl's becoming profitable that way i just don't want to be a part of it well so that's the thing if they're alienating you and i who are the core surfers whose surf experience is in the ocean, who will never ride a wave pool, then um, they're really going to isolate themselves into becoming a non-surf entity. Sure. Which, and, is, which is probably their goal, right? At some level. I mean, which we've seen. It, it probably is. And if they want to be profitable, but we've seen that happen with clothing companies. Like we've talked about, when was the last time you bought a Quicksilver t-shirt sure. or whatever, you know? So is Quicksilver even a surf brand anymore? Yeah. It would be argued that they're not by that logic. So... It will allow for new space to open up for companies like whatever Brixton to come in and become a surf brand. It'll allow for new um, contest tours to open up sure. and become the new thing that core surfers do. And if, and if I was them, you know, I mean, maybe, yeah, I guess so. I never, I guess I hadn't thought of it in that way of something replacing rogue tour, like an ocean version of what the WSL <laughs> is going to become. Yeah, that, and that might be fun again, right? At that point then competitive surfing might be fun again. The way the WSL is going, though, you know, again, uh, like, I need more time. It's still too close. It's all still too fresh, the wounds. but And not the wounds of being left out, but just because uh, I don't care about that. Like, I, yeah. I chose to be left out, right? I know that I could have gone up to there, too, and figured out a way. You know, I've gotten into way harder places than Kelly Slater's surf ranch um, yeah. in my life. It wasn't about the being left out, uh and, you know, again, that's probably why I didn't, I didn't write anything at all yesterday on it because I thought everything I write is going to be sour grapes. It's going to look like, you know, sure. the media or I was cut out. And that's not, that's seriously not, or I mean, you know, I guess if people perceive that's what I'm saying, then, you know, they can, they can perceive that all day long, but I don't feel any sour grapes about it. I just feel a, a profound sadness at, yeah. at what I feel is a real death of, again, what, I loved about surfing my whole life, surfing, infecting every strand, you know, every little decision through my life, you yeah. know, even going to Yemen and Somalia and Lebanon and all, it all had a surfing component to it. Every part of my life is at a surfing component. That day I felt is the day that, you know, my life will still carry on and be, you know, revolve around surfing to some extent, but it, it just, it really did feel like a death blow. I hear you. Um, do you think that the WSL like we're just kind of painting a scenario where they go completely inland and completely non-ocean focused. 
do you think that there's a version where they can do both things successfully? Where they like they hear your and I conversation right now and they go, wait, 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 we don't want to eliminate those guys. Turns out, let's actually invite them to Hawaii to come to the Triple Ground and we'll give them first class treatment and let them report on that stuff and tell the behind the scenes stories. But then we'll also do three events a year in the middle of America, Australia, and Europe to cater to that other thing. I mean, I don't like. I don't want first class treatment from them. I don't want anything other than you know, like I want nothing from the WSL. Quite frankly, uh, I think sure. I like. I mean, I applaud them. I guess for going and doing inland, you know, wave pool tours, like figuring that that model out and yeah. having you know the Detroit wave pool. I'm sure it'll, you know, if it works. Let's say it all works really well. It'll re- revitalize communities and you know bring a, a whole fresh revenue stream. Like the the economics of it. I like I completely applaud but again for me just that's not surfing I don't want anything to do with it uh you know at this at this point right today yeah. I, I know it's not surfing sure uh, the the part of me you know I just don't want anything to do with it like I don't you know I'm not angry at wakeboarding or wake no. surfing or any any other form of surfing it doesn't make me angry this though again I just think the genetically modified of this part this is the only thing that's actually surfing that's yeah. been actually surfing uh and I just I don't like it, and I don't like. Yeah, I just don't like it. I guess I I'm sound real old and cranky. No, but I I mean I I definitely felt and wrestled with some of those same things that you're talking about watching it. Um, I guess the question that I would have for you and even Travis over at What Youth is, if Kelly gave us an invite next week on Monday to go surf that pool, would you surf it? No. You want it? No. Just out of moral indignance, sure, out of spite at this really? point, yeah. But but uh, and, uh, yeah. you think Travis would? He well, wrote the missive. Yes, Travis would surf it. He would surf, sure, it. sure. Uh, let's see here. Would I surf it? Let's be real. Be honest. real, dude. Um, okay, here. Uh, I would have said yes up until one clip that I saw on uh, what the day I was running. Okay, you want to trying to guess which clip okay, it was? I saw one clip, and then I thought I don't want to do that. Okay. So every every clip I had seen before, right? They do a really good job of framing the shot where the wave looks like it's running down the line, right? Yeah. In your mind as a surfer, you have this wave. You know, the glory of surfing to me is dropping in uh, and looking down the line and just seeing that shoulder, right? Yeah. Like I love that so much. Uh, that's you know, I I love that almost more than even the feeling. I mean, I love the feeling of getting barrel. There's so many feelings mm-hmm. with surfing that are great, but that's one of them. Uh, is dropping down for me and just seeing that shoulder open up. Uh, I saw a clip, uh, I think it was Matt Violas who posted it, of Carissa Moore, and it was a follow shot, the first follow shot I'd seen because they had jet skis out there following yep. the surfers too. Raymana. Not, yeah, not 10 feet in front of Carissa is that giant plow. And so you're surfing, honest to goodness, the entire wave you're surfing. I mean, it's probably a little more than 10 feet, but it's not much. It's right there next so you, to the wall. You're surfing facing a wall, yeah. which to me that was, uh, felt almost poetically, uh, you know, described how I felt inside. It's yeah. just like it, you're, the dream is done. You're staring at this, at this <laughs> machine and they could, you know, for, for Kelly's pool. It was blue, right? They had like a, it looked like they had a blue tarp or something Maybe, over yeah. it. It was like this big blue thing. And theoretically, I guess you could paint, you know, art on that, and or have a have a, a diamond a, head in the yeah, background. Exactly, have an LED screen that's like, yeah. you know. But it, but I don't want to. I don't surf to stare at a wall. Yeah. 
Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is LinkedIn.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. It's funny. You're right. If you watch them take off, they're taking off right next to the wall. Sure. And you're looking at it going, well, they, they're going to have nowhere to go. Yeah. And then they just stay. So to explain it to listeners, there's a long, it's a long pool, yep. just like a big, long lap pool, basically. And a wall on one side of it, let's say the pool runs north to south. So um, you, the wave does move from north to south, but it doesn't move east to west at all. And that there's like a big, they call it uh, Thomas the Wave Engine is what Kelly's calling it, which is on the wall itself, this big mechanized kind of... It's a plow, I think. Plow, yeah. uh, the plow is underwater, yeah. you know? So like it's basically a train that just runs from north to south, dragging the plow underwater, which creates the wave. And what I thought was that there was a separate wave pool on the opposite side that was where they were doing the left, but it appears that it's not. It just runs back. Yeah, it just runs back. So like once it goes north to south for the right, then they let all the water settle and then run it from south to north so that you surf the left again towards the wall. So you're always facing the wall, whether you're going right or left. So that's just a little bit about the mechanics. Um, I like your metaphor, though. You're staring at the wall. The entire time. Really, that's you, but that's the metaphor for, like, this is the wall that we've come sure. to in surfing where sure. yeah, it's good. And it, but, it, but again, and, and that's like taking that away from surfing, which is, again, that's what I feel they did. They, they amputated slash yeah, genetically it. modified, right? They took the f- one feeling out of a gliding on a wave. Which is one part of what makes surfing beautiful, you know, like, yeah. uh, and they took that and they took the feeling of getting barreled, but everything else is basically gone, right? There's, yeah. you're sitting in, you know, stagnant green water. You're smelling the cow Worse. shit. It's brown. Yeah. You it's know? stagnant brown water. You're smelling yeah. the cow shit from the cow farms. Right? There's, you know, there's no more seagulls and, and, you know, salt water and, yeah. you know, and again, I'm, I know that I'm waxing way too eloquent or getting way too esoteric about surfing. But I guess surfing has always been like until I saw that day of Kelly, I I guess I didn't even ever consider 
not having surfing anymore. Right. And that's the yeah. first time that I considered it. So I'm staring at a wall on this, in this machine. That's the, and not for me again, it's not, but for my children's children's children, you know, global warming withstand, notwithstanding old man Smith. Wow. Just being cranking <laughs> on. Just being so, cranky. No, I mean, I, while I hear you completely, I can't help, but feel like this is how, um, my parents and maybe my grandparents talked about the internet, you know, sure. and like, no, CDs like, and I remember right. specifically with text messaging 15 years ago going, dude, don't text me. Like it's so impersonal. Yeah. Just call me for God's sakes. And now please don't ever call me, shoot me a text message. You know what I mean? And, and then that parlayed into the internet and into Uber and into all these things. So for us to try to assess where this all goes, I think is really kind of futile and also just short sighted because maybe Kelly's going, look, you guys, this is a test and there will be seagulls in the future. And there will be all these things that you're talking about, but we got to just we got to sort it out now. This is the test, you know? I get it. I mean, yeah. again, I get it. I get it. I get it. It's just, and I know that I've planted my flag on Luddite Mountain, like firmly yeah. and, and deeply right now. Uh, and, and I guess those things, communication, like you said, you know, texting versus calling, music, uh, the way I watch film, uh, the way I eat my food, all these things, none of these things has been as integral to my life as surfing is. So I guess this one just cut really, for me, cut really deep. And, yeah. you know, I, I could come out a month later and say, well, what was my problem? That was such a crank. You know, yeah. this is awesome. Uh, you know, in a month or in two months. But I, I don't see that happening. Or, or let's be honest, all of those things can be used for evil. You know sure. what I mean? And so it, it's yet to be defined. Like it could become something amazing or it could become the country club model that we're fearing and then it's only reserved for the select few and nobody really or whatever i don't even know maybe i'm i'm not even against that like i said earlier um i don't know it's super interesting i think the way that they managed um the media and the letting everybody stream it and all that sort of thing provided for me a level of excitement that I haven't had for a long time. I was bouncing from account to account to try to see what was, what happening, was happening in real yeah, time. Sure. And that was actually more exciting to me than watching um, the lowers event live the previous week where I could just steady stream it all sure. day long, tune out when there's nothing, put it on mute when I could see that there was nothing happening. This I, provided a certain energy around it that hadn't happened in surfing. The which, which I totally agree. Like, yeah. like, and I get the, the almost crowdsourcing your coverage yeah. or something is great. Uh, but again, I just, I think there's value and you know, shoot me in the head, please. But I just think there's value in, in, professional journalism and yeah. please again I'll ask you to shoot me in the head but I just think there is and I think the WSL you know to call surf journalism I guess proper journalism is a, a good point. is a giant stretch but that's what we have right and there's okay and don't invite me don't invite but invite somebody like invite so maybe, somebody to write it maybe the WSL had that conversation and that's where I said they put the burden on you guys the media to do some real reporting cuz maybe they sat in the room and go Surf journalism isn't a thing. There's nobody sure. out there actually doing journalism. So F them. If they haven't done a good enough job at this point of doing their job, then we're not going to give them this handout and sure. let them come. Let's keep them out and make them work for it. You know, and, and, and if that was what it was, then Stab totally carried the day, right? And Maybe, obviously, yeah. And Stab, at the end, Morgan and uh, Mike were allowed in, right? They got to see... I didn't know that. I, I mean, mean, at the very end, they got, I think they got to go watch Eddie Vedder or something like okay. that. You know, they were... They were rewarded for their, you know, 
pounding at the gate, yeah. uh, pounding on the wall, which, you know, God bless them. And, and you know, they that was great. But for me, again, watching the way they were covering it, it was super fun. And it was great. I think it added, the way Stab covered it, it added to the excitement of the day too, right? Like the seeing those guys be so giddy about, you know, trying to figure out each piece at a time was fun for me to watch. But also I want more, I want more than just giddiness, right? I would have loved to have a, you know, a Nick Carroll or a Steve Shearer or somebody really a good writer inside mm-hmm. kind of describing. I would have, you know, again, since my flag is in Luddite Mountain, uh, I would have loved to almost have read uh, a running comment, you know, even tweets from sure. a really good surf writer. You know, I would have, I would have loved that almost more than the, you know, the giddiness of Stab was part of it. That yeah. cute giddiness. But I, w- I wanted, I would have loved for more. So my thought with why they didn't, um, WSL didn't run a live stream like they do for their other events is number one, we have always shamed them when they don't do a perfect job at something and when they don't have all that interstitial pre-packaged stuff and we have to sit staring at a flat ocean for 20 minutes in between waves we criticize them so i think they recognize like look we're going to get criticized unless we do a fantastic job and there's too much downtime and too much variable in this test and they were right the wave broke the the plow broke at some point in the day they ended up fixing it so they ran into things like that and let's also be honest not every wave was the same. Yeah. If their goal here is to make a perfect wave that's always the same, it wasn't. Every wave that I saw surfed had variation to it. Sure. And there were some little barrel sections that like ran off without the, the surfer. So they're still working a lot. And that actually makes it for more the, for better viewing. Totally. But I, mean, but, but I, I totally get why they didn't live stream it themselves. Yeah. Right? Like, I did, like, my own personal beef only with that was I wish they could have, would have done, I wish there would have been... I liked the on. I liked the on the boots. You know, I yeah. mean the the Instagram from the surfers themselves. This sort of crowdsourced journalism. Yes. I would have liked though personally one little small layer above that of just somebody writing well about it. So or, I thought about that. Yeah. I, I thought about the solution yeah. and what the solution could have been was WSL could have run a live Instagram stream sure. throughout the whole event. And we know Joe Turpel was there commentating the event. He could have just been running the live stream himself, sure. commentating on waves. And it's not the cleanest footage, of course, and not close-ups, but nothing that we... I mean, it, that's okay, too. Don't, but the I mean, fact that you're getting it live and then they're going to have a post-production of the close-ups is great. And I saw Kanoa Igarashi's younger brother, Keanu, was streaming it in the afternoon for a little bit. And he enabled a function that I had never seen before, which was, I guess, if one of your viewers, uh, you can actually have like a FaceTime conversation with one of the viewers yeah. by tapping on oh, them. Amazing. So Kanoa or Keanu was watching the event and then he goes, oh, Taylor in Australia, what's going on, dude? Good to see you on here. And he taps this button. Taylor's face pops up and Kanoa's or Keanu's face pops up and they're having a conversation about, about what's the- happening. So I thought, how rad would it be if Joe Turpel, but why not, Joe Tur- why not, Joe that, Turpel? I, not that I'm choosing Joe, just sure. knowing he was there, sure. using him as an example. He wouldn't be my first choice, sure. but because he's able to do the commentary is why I'm using him as the example. So if he's streaming the event and then in between waves, Hey, Kelly Slater's logged onto our live stream right now. Click over to Kelly. Hey, Kelly, where are you at? Oh, I'm in the ping pong room right now watching this event. Hey, Kelly, give me some background on how long it took, whatever. Sure. And then somebody catches a wave. We watch that live. Then they go to, 
uh, Fred Hemmings was there that day. Yeah. And then a lot of stalwarts. MR was there that day. Yeah, and then Garcia was there. Yeah. Sunny. Yeah. So like they could have that would have provided a full day worth of coverage. Sure. That and I wouldn't have jumped from account to account. It wouldn't have cost the WSL any dollars. It's an Instagram feed. It's an Instagram feed, yeah. which is free. You yeah. know, like there were in hindsight, of course, there's solutions. Of course. But there were ways. I mean, Keanu uh, Higarashi figured it out, sure. you know. So I mean, the WSL could have figured it out in advance. So um, they could have done a better job of what they did. Sure, that's my point. Sure. So, um, Wave Ranch. What did I think? So by the way, the Wave Ranch. I think they did a phenomenal job with branding. Sure. Like, oh man, the, the like clothes and everything I saw. Like the fact that the test was all like on people like calling it. You know the. The future classic. Yeah, the future classic. All of it. The branding of it that I saw, the little I saw, was was brilliant. Yeah, the badges, the um when you enter the ranch, it's like an iron yeah. logo. Yeah. Uh, it, like it they're treating it like it's actually a cattle ranch. Sure. Which is I mean it's cute. And I guess it is. you know, for them the the if the, if this truly is the future of professional surfing, right? Then I mean you could have different themed places here and there and you know, like the whatever, you could have one in Hollywood that was you know, who knows? Like anything. I mean, yeah. yeah. Which they could all be themed, but again, I'll go back to my death of surfing. Like it's great, yeah. and maybe I'll watch it from far, far away. But yeah, I don't one, want to be involved. One more question on the Wave Ranch before we move on. Was it? Um, I think you and I actually criticized in our previous show the potential of it becoming boring if they don't add imperfections into yep. the wave. You made a joke like, let's have a guy jump out with a stick and try to knock him off the wave, yeah. which isn't actually that bad of an idea. idea. But we were so oversaturated with those waves over the course of that day. And I mentioned earlier now, if somebody posts a clip of it this afternoon, I don't know that I'll sit through another 60-second Instagram clip of it. We'll see. That. I mean, that's what I wonder, right? I didn't I didn't spend the day watching it. Like, I, had, I saw like a few brief things at the start and that was pretty much, and then at the end, a few more brief things. Yeah. Like I didn't soak it in. So I didn't see, you know, how they, how they make variation in waves. And, but you know, though I saw one clip of, um, Gabriel who won Gabriel Medina doing a, a, you know, a big air and landing it and everybody hooping and hollering. But I mean, I thought, yeah, so like, can't Philippe go out and do the same thing? And obviously he didn't because he didn't win. But but he did. He did a crazy alley-oop and landed, but he didn't win. He yeah. got a 9-8. Yeah. But I mean, so all to say, though, I just don't know. Yeah. So everybody can go out and surf it really awesome. Here's the question, though. Is it boring or does it run the risk of becoming boring? I, I mean, to me, it does. Like, that's yeah. what I was saying. Like, again, I didn't watch. And I'll did wait. you not watch because it was boring, though? Or did you just... Yeah, but I felt like when I saw one thing, that was everything I was going to see, right? When I saw I saw one professional surfer ride one wave well, I didn't need to see any more than that. Like, right. where part of, you know, like it or dislike it, standing on the cobbled stone of the Hurley Pro, yeah. part of it is, okay, is a set going to come, right? Like, right. like, and I know that that's super boring sometimes at home when the ocean goes flat and your heat restarts and blah, 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 blah. But... You know, there's, that's part of surfing and that's totally. part of professional surfing that makes it fun is, you know, that God is involved. 
And just taking that out, having those guys go on awesome waves, yeah, I think the performance level will be fun to watch for a minute. But I mean, they better That's change. All they have. They, yeah. they better change the judging at this point, then, because the judging that they have now can't make like everything is going to be a nine nine point nine, right? And the the winner's going to get a nine nine point nine, and the loser's going to get a nine nine point two based on what? Like yeah. his leg was not quite as bent, or I mean, they're going to have to get so fractional uh, in how they judge it yeah. that it's going to get. And that's the problem. I think, unlike like gymnasts, you know, in the Olympics, I think there's not only there are they doing they do different routines, uh, you know, the same playing surface, obviously, but like in the different disciplines, you know, I think the difference between those guys, their skill is fractional too. But somehow though that those fractions are magnified uh, when you watch it. Whereas for professional surfing, I don't think the fractions are magnified. I think yeah. they're you know it's it's amount of rotation uh, and if you land it or not, basically. I mean, that's what it's coming down to. You can't yeah. get in a barrel any better. You can't, I mean, you can't, because you, you can't start judging somebody's, I mean, that's one thing I know they have. Don't they have, is style part of the judging criteria? No. Speed, power, and flow, yeah. which you could kind of translate to style, but, but, but style, really. the word isn't. Oh, and that's the thing. And what is, you know, it's surfing style, like yeah. what is, it's, what is better barrel style, right? I mean, so you could judge depth, somebody deep in a barrel, but if they're the exact same deep, then surfing is left judging those the same because we can't judge one better than the other where, so it's, it's those fractions that come off that I think that's how you can have gymnastics work. Same playing yeah. surface, people doing roughly the same thing, but they do it wildly different ways. Surfing, you do it the same way if it's level yeah. in the same way. Like you only get so deep in the barrel. Sure. Maybe you're, you know, pig dogging a little more interesting, but, but what's a good pig dog to me might be a hideous pig dog to you, right? It's become yeah. so subjective at that point. What do you do? I, I think what's one thing that they're going to have to address, the WSL is going to have to address is I didn't care who won the event. No. In the end, when I found out Gabriel won, I was like, all right, that's fine, whatever. I don't yeah. care. And I'm not even inclined to see his waves that he won no. on because no. of what you're saying. It's like, oh, it's so fractional. The I'm interested to see the different styles of how Felipe chose to ride his way versus John John. But that, but that's but the score doesn't even matter to me at that point. Well, and the style, how once they choose how to ride the wave, all I need to do is see it once. Or yeah. you know, like there's going to be some fun, I think, in as the surfers adjust to riding this wave. Okay, how do they choose to approach it? Once you know how they choose to approach it, it's over. The fun is over. Totally. Like, that's it. That's how John John's going to surf a wave, pool wave, and I've seen it once, and I never need to see it again. I'm just now kind of making this connection in my head, and you can maybe tell me whether or not this was just me or if you felt this way too, but I truly don't care who won the event. Whereas like the lowers event, it's almost all I care about. And I do want to see the waves as well, but it matters who won that event because it means something. For some reason with this, it was like an afterthought. It was almost like... It almost kind of diminished the day that there was a winner. Like the day was the highlight for me. Completely. In a really bizarre way. I don't know why that is. It feels, I mean, I'm not a, a huge skateboard fan, but I have to go, or I don't have to, but I, I go to a number of street league, you know, the professional yeah. skateboarding yeah, events. Yeah. yeah. Um, it almost feels like declaring a winner at those things to me, exactly like you're saying now, diminishes the rest of it. Like it kind of does, it, and it, it, the winner almost seems silly at the end. Yeah, and everybody hoops and hollers and raises their trophies and all that. But it, it seems like really to me it seems really embarrassing. Where a surf winner never seems embarrassing. But you're right. Like Gabriel Bodina winning, winning. I don't know that that's necessarily embarrassing, but I for like I couldn't have cared less. It would have been impossible I, for me. 
to have cared less. <laughs> I agree completely. Um, well, for the record, if I get the invite, I'm definitely going. Yeah, and I'm uh, definitely surfing that wave. Out of spite, I'm not, for the See, record. See, I feel like you need to, out of due diligence, because then you can go and actually have the opinion. Okay, sure. So I'll surf, I will surf it once. I All will right. go stare at that big blue wall once. All right, we'll get our, we're waiting for our invites then. <laughs> um, kind of transitioning, uh, we talked previously about the ambassador of Stoke and Leisure that the WSL... How crazy was it how actively they promoted that during the lowers event? It was really, it was like a full, like like the WSL has done, I feel, for the last few years. It seems like they have accidental ideas that they'll embarrassingly put up, put it up once, it'll get kind of made fun of, and then you'll never see it again. You know, that they may have done it or whatever. But that thing, that was the idea. Like, they were not, they were not backing down from it. But again, I told you that... I had people in my Instagram feed saying, is this real? Can I, how can I do this? Right. And so then I had to back out and say, yeah, they're, they're right. But I, I, a listener actually at Instagram at Super Danger Powers, who's um, a listener of the show, messaged me and he's like, oh, dude, they're just collecting email addresses. Oh, for That's sure. That's all 100%, it is. Of course. They're like, the amount that they're going to pay that person to do that job is for six weeks sure. is nothing compared to... The what data. they got out of the advertising 100%. of the job itself. I mean, that's why that's why Amazon bought Whole Foods. Did you know that? No. They don't care about being in the grocery business. They care nothing about it. All they want is data. That's all they want. That's all Whole Foods is to Amazon is data collection. Hmm. Like that's the world we live in now, where data is you yeah, know data course. is power and data has, has crazy value. But yeah, fascinating. Which is you know good on the WSL, I guess. For I, I feel that in the reign of you know who knows how long this stuff has been. Uh, under consideration, but I, I feel that Sophie Goldschmidt, the new CEO, is at least as a business person a way, way, of course, phenomenally better CEO than than air speaker. Yeah, and that's what I, Derek asked uh, Warshaw that question. He's like, bringing a guy from the UFC and Sophie from all of her professional sporting backgrounds, WNBA and all that sort of stuff, like. That's just a good. I don't remember what the question was, but the answer was like it's just a smart business decision. Sure, totally, obviously. And well, and again, with the wave, rent, all I think everything they're doing is good business yeah. decisions. Now, I suppose I'm stepping back and, and thinking, okay, is this a business I want to be associated with in any way, shape, or form? Exactly. Yeah, and so that's a different question, of yeah. course. By the way, this is totally um, off topic, but saw an article posted. Um, by J.P. Curry. Uh, yeah, JP. On Beach Grid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see that? <laughs> I saw it. Yeah. It was about um, gambling and yeah. surfing, surf betting. Sure. Uh, or actually fixed. Yeah, fi- being fi- able to fix it, being, being able, able to, throw, to fix the game. throw a heat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what happened with you and J.P., dude? You guys buddies or what? I mean, I've always loved J.P. I think I said on the here on the show like that J.P.'s criticisms, uh, like... I mean, all criticisms to me are water, you know, off the back. Like, I, yeah. I'm, I rarely take things personally. And JP's, you know, barbs were, you know, both funny and sometimes kind of interesting. But, yeah, like, I think I think JP uh, can actually write well. Um, sure. And, you know, I like JP's, you know, I don't I, I would love to have him more at Beach Grit. Like, I like his agree or disagree. I think you have an opinion about jp's stuff or mm-hmm. people have opinions about it and that i think there's value there well he's taken a lot of flack in the comments section for Was being he? kind of a dissenting opinion oh yeah oh, oh in comment sections in yeah, the yeah, comment yeah. section in previous articles sure, sure. like just in general yeah um so 
I was surprised to see his name pop up as the author of the article. Yeah. How did that happen? Did he just reach out to you? And no, you? I think Derek and I are, you know, actively always looking for new voices to come in and, yeah. you know, somebody to come in and really own that kind of third voice. And I feel we've been, you know, auditioning for that for since Rory left yeah. uh, and haven't quite found, you know, I think we've had some good writers and some writers that have had some good moments but we haven't found that singular kind of voice that, you know, is somebody that, that really, you know, just gets to have the, like that the beach grid audience can, can grow accustomed to, and that it's right. this fun third perspective, you know, which again, I don't think we've had since, since Roy left. You've had a rotating cast of characters and they've had pros and cons, each sure. of them. Um, I do like JP and I also liked that his perspective isn't he from Scotland or yeah, he something? Thinks he's from England he's in the somewhere, UK? British British Isles somewhere, yeah, I don't right. Exactly nowhere. And I like that perspective. Sure. So it was very different. We get so much Australia, so much yep. US that it's like it's no. cool to have that Completely. different opinion. Having you know? a, having a kind of continental, and I don't know again, you know what JP's background is, but even coming at you know, I, like I'll laugh a lot about English surfing on Beach Grit because to me it's a it's a funny thing, like. Cornwall, yeah. However, however, <laughs> however you pronounce it, uh, I love Cornwall. By it, the way, yeah. it's so beautiful. See, uh, yeah, and I should stop. I've gently poked fun, but yeah, yeah it's, it's fun. It's, it's a fascinating part of our. They have their own surfing champions and stuff in England. Like, yeah, I know. They it's, have British surf champions that you've never heard of. Yeah, because they can't leave. cut the mustard but, on the world tour. Yeah, but it's amazing though that they let them. Maybe that's maybe England needs a wave. Maybe England is a wave pool. True. Potts has British. He um, does. I, I always forget. I know he's South African, but it's like, was he born in South Africa and then grew up in the UK? Or I think he was born in the UK and then and grew, grew up, up in South, South Africa. Africa. Yeah. yeah. Um, Todd Prestige is another name I remember from my youth. Yeah, was he Todd from the Pre- UK? Totally he was. Who's the guy who rides uh, uh, that, oh, what's his name? What's the artist who did the <laughs> surfboard? There's a, some British guy who... Who uh, did what? That's, who's the artist? I, I'm totally drawing a blank. He does... Uh, you know, in cases stuff and uh, up to all. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll cut this little portion out. Um, all right. Well, do you have anything that you want to discuss or should I go into barrel and nah? Yeah, let's go into barrel. Barrel, barrel or nah. All right. We've got four topics today in barrel or nah. Um, first one, fantasy surfer. Um, uh, you know, I see how it can be fun. I've never been able to do personally. It's nah, but I won't give it a nah universally okay because i see i see how people can have fun it's just I, i've never been diligent enough to actually you know do the work to to be good at any fantasy thing right i tried to play fantasy baseball for a couple of seasons and you know i've tried to do fantasy football before i've i've tried to do fantasy server i i don't do good at fantasy but i appreciate the idea of fantasy so i i have to i am wave pool i'm i mean i'm, not, I'm sorry i can't be wave pool because i'm super passionate well, about the wave pool Part of that different. part of that came from JP's article, which was about wagering on surfing, betting yep. on surfing. Yep. His his the premise for his article was just that it's the most ripe thing to be fixed oh, ever. Completely. Both from the surfer, you could the surfer can just fall on a wave sure. if he gets paid off, or the judges can easily get paid I mean, as just, well. Just think how easy it would be to to throw a big air and just like, oh, you could you could look like you're trying yeah, every time. Completely. Yeah. Or just completely blow a heat and then just be like, Oh, well it's because my uncle just died. So I was at my headspace was off. I mean, sure. But you can even, the fact that you can blow heats while nobody like, you know, when a boxer throws a fight or whatever, you can usually tell when, I mean, 
I guess you can't usually tell, but it becomes easy in retrospect to tell. Surfing, you can never, ever, ever. Right. All I would have to do is boost airs yeah. and, you and know, not fall. land them. Yeah. yeah. So um, JP talked about wagering on surfing. Do you know of any sites where you can do that, or you, should I reach out to JP? You can't do it in America. Uh, okay. I mean, you, so you could go through foreign, you know, I don't know how you do that. Yeah. Uh, but there's ways, you know, because they have wagering on surfing in both. It's huge in Australia, too. You can I wager know. on surfing in Australia. Do you know what the sites are, though? Where it's, it? I mean, it's Ladbrokes is one of the big ones in Australia. Okay. Uh, but I don't know, you know, I think you'd have to do, because I think it'd be illegal for them to offer it here so yeah. you'd have to do some backdoor or you'd have you know i mean i'm sure it's easy you how do you can throw your ip address somewhere right sure. and so you can stick your ip uh, in australia but yeah asking for a friend yeah that's how <laughs> i did i did it when i was in australia uh i surf bet one afternoon and i lost my shirt really yeah it's tough to do good at dude. you think it's so good and you think oh this heat i got this, this is what i watch every day i've totally yeah. got this heat and you'll find yourself i mean i think if you can really bet head over heart then you you give yourself a way better chance to win. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Well, it's I different. I am honestly asking for a friend because a listener uh, direct messaged me and asked like, "Hey, where can you wager on surfing?" Because we we do play fantasy surfer. I have a league and um, and I'm terrible at it as well. But he was like, "Dude, I want to bet. Like, where can I bet?" And I'm sure. like, "I have no idea, and I don't even know who to ask." I always I always think it would be a super fun if a Vegas casino. Uh, actually went you know figured out how to make it legal here yeah. because i don't know why it wouldn't be sports betting is legal and so i'd imagine it is legal yeah. in vegas you just have to find somebody to give to make odds on it but you know if they had surf nights how fun it would be to actually go to vegas uh you know in this with a bunch of other surf fans uh betting live would be real watching the you know the big yeah. wsl event would be i would do that and have so much fun doing that when was the last time you went to vegas Oh, uh, maybe a couple months ago. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I don't go to to gamble. There's yeah. always, you know, whatever, you know, business thing or whatever takes yeah. me out there. But I, I used to loathe Vegas. Now I love it. Do you really? I'm a big Vegas fan. Man, yeah. I'm still in the loathe phase. Oh, yeah. Dude, just keep pushing through. Like, one day you'll go to Vegas and you'll think, this place, you know, is like ridiculously wonderful. Because it's like... I haven't actually been in years yeah. and I feel like I know exactly what you're talking about. Like I associate it with casinos and like CD sure. dudes passing out like strippers post uh, business cards on the street and sure. stuff like that. But certainly now there's the pool party scene. There's dance club scenes, obviously restaurants, shows, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so. I mean, and, and I've always put a, a huge premium on surreal uh, on things being surreal. Like I love one of my favorite times in my entire life make a quick story no uh, go long <laughs> <laughs> uh i was studying in, in cairo and a buddy and i took a train to alexandria uh which is you know on the mediterranean in egypt um and there must have been a party that day i don't know what was happening but it must have been like a uh either a state thing or a islamic thing or something it was just the streets were got off in alexandria and i don't remember anything happening in cairo so maybe it was a specific alexandria celebration okay and the streets were packed with people we it felt like we got ushered kind of by people like cheering people you know there weren't i don't remember any tourists there that day or wherever we were but you know like huge city right yeah millions of people everyone on the streets uh ushering us i just remember getting pushed 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 by people like people cheering people rubbing our heads and raising our arms and stuff you know we were the americans there push 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 eventually we got pushed into an alley it was all getting more and more crowded, hmm. uh, and it got it was getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Which then eventually opened into like a kind of a, a courtyard, a you know, a bigish courtyard, 
packed with people. Push, 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 push. To the center of the courtyard, there was a ping pong table, and they gave us paddles, and we played ping pong while this mob of people just cheered us, like, which was, you know, it, it completely and utterly surreal. And, you know, it, it, like those are the moments in life that I almost live for more than anything when, when just reality dips and yeah. what is happening. Where Vegas, to me, feels that way a lot. Yeah. Like, you know, not even going, I mean, going to the clubs or pool parties or whatever is fun. Even walking around in Vegas, it's just this feeling like this place doesn't really exist where you're in yeah. this bizarre dream of something. I need to embrace that part yeah. of it then. Embrace the surreal of Vegas. Okay. And you, you got to stay at a nice hotel too. Yeah. Like you leave the surreal and go to your... You know, because Vegas has fantastic rooms sure. these days. Yeah. Um, that experience that you're talking about. So they were just super into ping pong and you no guys idea. were the novelty white people that showed up and they're like, let's apply these two favorite things. Yes. And I don't know that when we got off the train, that was what the people at the train were thinking. Somehow we just kept getting pushed, like drawn by fate Bizarre. to this ping pong table. And then once, yeah, once it came, you know, the people who actually pushed us toward the ping pong table, it was that. It was like, that is amazing. yeah, here's these you know, these two off things and let's watch these American white people play ping pong in our weird neighborhood. That yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Who won? Uh, I can't remember. I, I think the guy I was playing against one's name was Ethan. I think okay. Ethan won. Yeah. Ethan was more competitive. Weird. Do you have any documentation? Did you take photos? No, anything? You no. know that? Yeah. That I mean, adds it was, it was to the like surrealness. In, yeah. It was like in 1990, okay. uh, would have been, you know, 92 or something. It's yeah. better that things like that only exist in your dreams. Yeah. Too. Because I'm you sure, know, in memories. No, I'm sure the video yeah. of it, you know, maybe it was like 30 people pushing us. To the <laughs> table or something. But it, you know, my memory was just, it was just packed. People. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, question number two, barrel or not in relation to our conversation last week, peeing in your wetsuit. Oh, total barrel, total barrel. Yeah, right? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's not only is it, what are you going to do? Get out and go pee? A. B. It warms you. Like, there's function. There's purpose. Uh, and it's also just part of being a surfer, I think. Back to the Kelly Wave Pool thing. Totally. I, I want to piss in Kelly's pool, but that's also gross, right? Pissing in the ocean in any way and pissing in your wetsuit, it's just part of it. It's part of being a surfer. I know. A listener actually sent me that one, and I was just like, dude, I'm embarrassed to even bring that up yeah. because that's so barrel. If you have to ask, then really. You yeah. don't... You, you like... I mean... I would question anybody who does not pee in their wetsuit. I would say they're not a real surfer. Agreed. Yeah. There's somebody who's like friends with a surfer who told them that one time. And yeah. then they're like, do people really do this? Yeah. All right. Super barrel then. All right. Stretching prior to a surf barrel or not. Nah. Nah. I'm a big fan of just being stiff and twisting up in, in the water. I think somebody told me probably completely erroneous, erroneously at some point that stretching, you're not really supposed to stretch before you do something. You're supposed to stretch after, like you're supposed to warm up. You're not supposed to go in super cold, but stretching and then doing something like stretching and then running is bad. Your it just like throws your muscles off. Hmm. You're just supposed to warm them up and then you stretch afterwards. I think stretching after definitely has value, but I'd be, I, I'm surprised that it doesn't have value before. Yeah, I guess it just your muscles aren't supposed to be stretched before you. From yeah. from what I was told, they're not supposed to be okay. stretched before you do something. You're supposed to be loose. Yeah, like I'm not saying go in tight, but well, we're we're obviously experts on this, and yep. this is now committed into yep. Yep. the canon or of the barrel or not. So, yep, um, yep. never stretch, never stretch before sir. Roll your neck around, loosen up, but never <laughs> never get on the sand. Never get into. Never touch your toes. Like people who really get into it too yeah. is obviously complete nah. Yeah. But even, yeah. See, my mentality was always that I should do it, but I'd never, ever, no. ever take the time to do it. And now you can feel good. No, okay, I mean, good. you shouldn't do it. I've been Medically. doing it right all along yep. by not doing it. Medically. <laughs> right. So category number four, barrel or nah, layered. 
Oh, uh, Laird Hamilton. Yeah, Laird Hamilton is a big nah. And really? Yeah, I think I would have. I would have been like thinking that he was more barrel before I watched the fucking preview for his shitty documentary that's coming out. They crammed that down our throats oh, at the Hurley goodness. event too. And the fucking fucking shit. The I loathe that kind of documentary anyway. I mean, it's. I'm happy that this is coming out because it's exactly what I'm shooting against with the documentary that I am currently directing. Uh, but the loud, brash, Laird Hamilton changed everything. You know, the, the, like, and not just about Laird, but the sports doco where the subject of the doco changed the entire world. Right. I'm so tired of that, and it's totally not true. Laird is uh, great. He's a good character. He's fun to have. He he did interesting things. Yeah. He's, he's lived an interesting life. Laird Hamilton has not changed one fucking thing. Yeah. All right, dude. I'm going barrel for Laird. Really? I'm going super barrel for Laird. Why? I feel... Laird, in my mind, is what Vegas is in your mind. Okay. I loathed Laird sure. pretty much my entire life sure. because he represented, um, he's so easy to make fun of. Sure. You know, he's it, funny. I don't know that I've ever seen him in a puka shell necklace, but he does. He, he, he would be puka the, shell. yes, yeah. he's beyond. So, and with other things that we've discussed where it's kind of like, if you're just, if you just confidently own what it is that you're doing, then it becomes cool again. And I feel like Laird, his bleached hair is because he spends so much time in the sun. Sure. The reason he's wearing a tank top is because normal rings, <laughs> yeah, normal ring spun cotton can't hold in his yeah. shoulders. Yeah. You know, like yeah. he needs a tank top on. Sure. So he's just, he is what he is and he's not really trying to be cool and none of it is affect. It's all just, dude, the guy loves spending time in the ocean and even though that he's invented, or not invented, but popularized the stand-up paddle and the foil board and things that have not. become kooky yeah. and will continue to become kooky, it's like, well, he was doing it for 10 or 15 years in the middle of the ocean with nobody watching because he loves the ocean that much. I would have given Laird a complete barrel also before watching the preview for his documentary. That And maybe Laird, maybe that's really rude to Laird. Maybe Laird had nothing to do with that and that was the direct, you know, it's Rory Kennedy. And she's one yeah. of the kids. She's a Malibu person. Like yeah. Malibu loves Laird. Um, well, they're neighbors. Yeah, I know. And Malibu thinks that Laird is like the end all and be all as far yeah. as a surfer goes and all that. Maybe Laird doesn't think that about himself. But if that documentary is any reflection of the way Laird actually feels about Laird, that's why I'm giving him a nod. Yeah, you're you're totally entitled like, I, to it, and I would have agreed with you a, a short which, while ago. I mean, but I love your assessment, right? Like Laird just doing these things and not thinking about them. I give that if Laird. So if I Laird is not is not thinking about what he's doing, then I give Laird a barrel. Yeah. But that documentary that's coming out said to me, Laird is actively building this Laird thing. So it's yeah. not just that his hair is blonde, that he's in the sun. His hair is blonde, that he's in the, and he's in the sun. That's true. But also a layer beyond that. This is all part of Laird building his own Lairdness, which I don't so, like Laird building his Lairdness. It's a good point. It remains to be seen. I'll have to wait and watch we'll, that documentary. We'll watch the doco. And, we'll, and we have to watch, decide. And we'll watch and see how Laird... You know, portrays himself, and and I'm not talking about like being humble and stuff like that. I'm just talking yeah. about the giant, the shrill. You know, the preview at least was the it was the shrillest preview I've seen in a long time. Laird changed the world. I know. Laird literally built the world. Produced yeah. uh, executive executive producer on that is Paul Speaker. By oh, the way. perfect. I don't know if you See, noticed that in the credits. Hell, awesome. Um, I think so. To a certain degree, I think that Laird transcends Barrel, yeah. and. You know, like he, because of the things that I just said, one uh, astute Instagram commenter mentioned on my post about Jerry Lopez, you know, we decided he didn't get barreled at Kelly's Wave Ranch because 
Why would he? Yeah. Why would he contort himself into this small barrel? He's Jerry. Sure. And one astute Instagram commenter said, uh, "Jerry Lopez doesn't get barreled. Barrels get jerried." That's so true. So true. Right. Yep. Sums it up perfectly. And I feel the same way about Laird. Yeah. Where it's like Laird is just going to do whatever he wants to do in the ocean, regardless of who's paying attention. And I watched one of uh, a kind of press interview that he did for that documentary with Rory. And he said that he's actually fended off directors over the years who wanted to do documentaries on him because he's just like, dude, I, I've got nothing to say. I'm not particularly interesting. Well, and he shouldn't have done this one either. Well, so I don't know. So maybe there that just makes me think that maybe there's an angle to it that there certainly was not an angle in the I preview. Know. Well, maybe in, in post they ed- or maybe just the preview got edited in sure. a way. Let's go watch that it. Makes it look, let's let's yeah. go watch it. Let's live podcast. Yeah. So we can watch it quietly and talk about it as it's going here's the other thing that i like about laird uh in relation to the conversation we had about Derek, which is i love somebody who lives their life with a lot of conviction sure and laird lives with a conviction like the dude loves the ocean and health and being fit more than i've loved anything in my life ever totally and so a part of me just kind of wants to model my life after laird and just be like you're radical and you're really doing it well and i want to do that i get it i get it it's just it was the preview the preview killed me on him um, I asked last time to tell me about Yemen and then we ran out of time. So can you give me, I haven't read anything that you've written about Yemen on beach grip, but you've been doing a series of articles. Tell me what I need to know about Yemen and what we need all listeners to know about Yemen. Oh, I mean, so I first went to Yemen. It was like the first real, I guess, surf trip that I ever did. It was, you know, after nine 11, um, a buddy and I, you know, I'd been, I'd spent time in the middle East before I studied in Egypt and, uh, and then, you know, I'd gone back and gotten sick. So I got to spend a lot of time in, in, in a Jordanian hospital. Uh, but I've always had a real love of the Middle East. And then after 9-11... Did you go specifically for a surf trip or did you go with an ulterior... Place? To Yemen? Yeah. Yeah, for a surf trip. I mean... That was all it was, though. It wasn't like sure. you got to report on something and then no, you no, also go surfing? No, no. It was like... Why did you choose Yemen? Because the... So after 9-11 happened... Uh, you know, Osama bin, or obviously it was the first time I think I think I'd heard of Osama bin Laden, or I think we all had before because of whatever he was doing in Somalia. Um, but you know, that was the first time I guess I really looked in and saw who is this guy and saw that he came from Yemen, the hills of Yemen, and then so kind of looked at a map and looked at Yemen and wondered, had anybody surfed Yemen? Like it's this, you know, that's where Al Qaeda was and the hills, and that's awesome. But the coastline of Yemen, you know, the way it bends around, it's basically Indian Ocean. And I thought, there's got to be swell there. I'm no surf cartographer and, you know, don't know swell, I don't know anything, right? But I just looked at the coastline. And then, you know, a buddy and I looked, and we tried to figure out if anybody had ever surfed there, called Sam George from Surfer. Nobody had ever surfed the mainland of Yemen as far as he knew, as far as anybody knew. So we thought, okay, we, we, we've got to go do it. And so, yeah, we went, spent three months, and it was, you know, it was awesome. And, and since then, I'd been back to Yemen, I think I've probably been back five times, uh, you know, rode a motorcycle one end to the other, did a, just a bunch of stuff in Yemen. I love Yemen. Uh, and now Yemen has basically become ground zero of a proxy war between the West and Iran. Uh, Saudi Arabia is just demolishing the place Saudi Arabia is a, yeah not a not a great place um and honestly flattening Yemen there's, there's cholera outbreak you know wild cholera outbreak there's just a bunch of uh you know unnecessary pain and suffering in the country and I've never really told the Yemen stories fully and I was just so disgusted by kind of my you know it's this place that I love and has given me a ton uh 
what could I do to help? And I, I can't, couldn't think of anything to do to help. And so I thought at least I'll just tell the sto- my stories of Yemen. And so that's how the series started. Is it, is the series continuing or is it already yeah, is no, it's beginning, good. middle and end? Or? Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm just spelling out that first trip, basically the like, first trip, the first okay. trip. Yeah. Is, you know, from start in, in more detail than I've ever written about it before. And I don't know that anybody cares or, you know, I don't know that people want to read it. I don't, but you know, I don't care. Like it's something that I feel I need to do. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, just, did you write about it a little bit in, um, Welcome to Paradise, Now Go to Hell? A little bit, yeah. I That's where I remember reading it. Yeah, I mentioned that. one story, and that was the story that I wrote in there was a later trip. Uh, oh, okay. That was when we were riding motorcycles through. Um, That's right. So, yeah, and you know when, when we first did the story, my buddy wrote the story for Surfer. Uh, I wrote a story about it for Australia Surfing Life, but they were you know, awful. I mean, Surfer story might have been good. The one I wrote was... It, I, I didn't write for, I think it must have been two years after I wrote that story. It was oh, kind of big two years, probably one year. It was so bad. I thought, okay, I wasn't... You know, I got it back in the mail and read it and thought, I, I guess I'm not a writer. Which, Hilarious. Yeah. Um, what kind of waves did you score when you were there? A, a fun, I mean, you know, no surf ranch, good. But, like, uh, yeah, phenomenal. I mean, I thought, for me at the time, you know, ridiculous. You know, n- not like pro, you know, no, like, well, yeah, we discovered a mini pipeline or something like that. But, yeah, it, like, both where it was and the fact there was waves, you know, there's, uh, like, I haven't written about this one yet, but the my favorite wave there was uh, a town called Mukulla, which is, you know, getting, yeah, it's, I think it's like ground zero of Al-Qaeda right now. It's always been kind of Al-Qaeda-y and, you know, separate city, but it's a beautiful, beautiful historic town, like midway, midway up the coast towards okay. Oman. Uh, we, we found a wave, you know, um, it must've been five kilometers outside of Mukulla city center. Uh, there was, it was like a point break, you know, like had a fun left and the right kind of was a bit soft, but still like, you know, head and a half and you're out there. So you're the first person to ever surf this wave. Like by that, I think by that distance up the coast, you know, maybe some people had surfed in Aiden before, but nobody had ever surfed any past that. And so, you know, you're getting these feelings of we're the first person to ever surf this wave. And the fact that it's actually a super fun wave was like, yeah, head high point break. Yeah. It was like, it was like head and a half point break and, uh, warm water temp. Yeah. Warm. Trunkable, yeah, totally trunkable, man, yeah. And tell me about the food and the accommodation and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's fantastic. Like the whole country, obviously, is not geared. There's not one tourist in the country. Yeah, Uh, but yeah, there was little interesting, you know, not designy hotels, obviously, but cool, you know, just small hotels everywhere. The food is fantastic. It's just a lot of fish and chicken and bread. But one of the great things about traveling in in an Islamic country is they take cleanliness so seriously. You you have to wash five times a day before you pray and stuff. So everything is really clean and feels real good. I I always feel uh, health wise better than anywhere in the world than when I'm in uh, Islamic country. Yeah. So it was just, yeah, just great, you know, chicken, fish, goat, goat wasn't great, but the chicken fish is phenomenal. When was the last time you were there? I was there. I think last must've been, Probably six years ago. Okay. Yeah. When you're on the outskirts like that, how do you feel safe? Yeah. I mean, I always have, you know, in the past. Now, obviously, things are different in Yemen. Now, it's, I mean, back then they were also equally rough. I was probably just, you know, both naive, a little naive, but also, yeah, I mean, it's, it's adventure, right? It's fun. Like, you're only ever as safe as you think you are, I think. Like, and so if you think you're safe. I mean, it depends. I, I don't know. I haven't been to like war torn parts of the world, but um, 
Sounds dangerous there. Yeah, but it sure is beautiful and fun. Yeah. I love yeah. Would you go back? Uh not now. I mean between cholera and uh you know what's what's actually happening. I wish I I wish I could say yeah. And but, also having a kid too. Yeah, I, I mean that's like... the problem. Without without having a kid, I would go back in a second. Yeah. Uh just where am I like like pretty much, you know, really rolling the dice on am I gonna die or not and have leaving a a yeah, a fatherless child. It, yeah, I just just I can't take that risk anymore. So yeah, is what it is. Yeah, fascinating. All right, well, if people want to follow along with that journey, um, beachgrid.com. Beachgrid.com. How often are you posting those stories? I was doing them like every couple of days because that's all yeah. once every other day because that's all I wanted to write about. Which I need to. I haven't done one since now for like two weeks. So I got. I was going to do one yesterday, but the yeah the depression. Your depression yeah. took over. Yeah. <laughs> Cloud of depression. All right. Well, right on, dude. That's all I've got on my show notes for today. Was there anything else that you want to discuss? That's it. I was, it was really getting, getting that coming off the high wave from... ranch off the chest. I know. Um, I'd be curious though, what other people think. Well, frankly, they'll tell us on Instagram. Yeah, dude. Uh, I'm looking, I'm very much looking forward to other opinions. About... People have been great about engaging. Yeah. Like when we post a, a spinoff topic from this show, uh, people really go at it on there and write like very thorough yeah multiple paragraph discussion because tell me i'm wrong people tell me that this is not the end of days they will yeah they will. Okay. Uh, i think most people agree with you from everything i've seen so far there's a lot of people who agree with you Let's see. they're upset about it yeah i think it's a lot of jealousy personally yeah um all right so at surf splendor and then at reports from hell is where you get a hold of Chaz. i've actually for some of these conversations that spin off i started a blog on surf splendor podcast.com where like dave parmenter and i had a conversation about film like Hollywood film. And, um, and that happened a little bit on air. And then he and I continued talking off air. And then he sent me an email with a bunch of his film recommendations from like little known gems from the seventies. Some of them's out of Australia. And so I was like, can I share this email with listeners? He's like, absolutely. So a lot of these conversations spin off from the show that is all going on to this blog now. So if you want to see Dave Parmenter's film recommendations, that's on there right now. Fun stuff like that. Surfsplendorpodcast.com along with all the Wave Ranch footage, all that sort of stuff. First of all, this was a dry show. It was dry. Which is problematic. I yeah. Think. Do you think so? Let's see. No. Let's- if we do the show in the morning, I'm Coffee. hopped up on sure. caffeine. Sure. If we do it in the evening, hopped up on booze. Yeah. Do you drink caffeine? Do you drink coffee? I do, but I'm down to one small cup a day. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I found is whether it's booze or uh, coffee, balance is yes. the key. Because yeah. I the end of the boozy shows get sloppy. But it, yeah. Which might be better. Yeah, that might be the best. Okay. Maybe. Okay. I was I was thinking about bringing actually booze into this one. Were you really? Uh, sure. We're recording at 10 a.m. for the listeners who yeah. need... That's important. Yeah. Um... But I've also found if I have two cups of coffee, also no good. Yeah, yeah no, the jitters. The jitters is bad with coffee. Yeah. So today I have one cup of coffee. I feel that's the right balance. Yeah. Couple. Well, let's see. Unless it's boring. Most people come back yeah. and say jitter yeah. out. They'll tell us. Okay. Perfect. All right, man. Well, until next uh, two weeks from now, get barrel. Yeah, get barrel. Get barrel.